Well, you know, my my grandfather owned uh, uh, Steam rental powered engines. <laughs> Stop. He owned uh, rental properties. <laughs> he owned rental properties, and so you know, uh, in addition to his air conditioning business, so after work he'd go and you know do whatever chores he needed to do around his rental properties. And he had this two-story unit, and so he, he's in the, the upper unit and decides that he needs to work on the ceiling fan. And he doesn't want to mess with going back down to his truck to get his ladder. So, you know, my 70-year-old grandfather climbs on the counters, and, you know, it's, got, it's one of those galley-like kitchens. So you've got, you know, counters on the left, counters on the right, you know. And so he's straddling the counters and working on the ceiling fan, falls, breaks his hip. Now, here's where the story turns. Here is wh- where, you know, we see the greatest generation's response to injury versus how Aaron would respond to this. Grandpa gets himself back to his truck, right? Locks up the apartment, gets himself back to his truck, drives home, walks out of the truck, into the, into the house, tells my grandmother, hey, uh, after dinner, we probably need to go to the hospital. <laughs> okay. He goes washes up for dinner, sits, has dinner, goes to the hospital. They find that his, that his uh, hip is broken and that he's going to require surgery. Now, if you put me in that story, I am still on that floor in that kitchen going, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still there. <laughs> Making a medic alert joke. <laughs> that is the difference between our generation and the World War II generation. Tim and Wayne. I'm Aaron. I'm Paul. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. Howdy, howdy, guys. Hey, hey, hey. Fellas. So, uh, uh, can I actually say hey, hey, hey? Are we going to get sued now? Hey, hey, hey. You're, you, no, okay, you're, not, now you're we're not getting the same race. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron's getting sued, yeah. <laughs> so, Andrew's not going to make it today. He sends his hugs and kisses to us and all of our fans. Well, I, I'm I'm concerned about Andrew's lack of commitment. Yeah. And uh, this will feature poorly on his quarterly evaluation. Just saying. I don't do quarterly evaluations. I'm too busy to do quarterly evaluations. Are you? Are you too busy? Yeah, he'll find out in March 2014. <laughs> <laughs> For his annual. Yeah. <laughs> Just be a big surprise. You're not working out. <laughs> <laughs> it may be May by the you, time I get them done. You continue to disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> Last day. June. I think I think one of my uh, my favorite things to put on an employee evaluation is hopeless slack ass. That's my favorite place to put on an employee evaluation. <laughs> he, just a, he just has a template where it's built in. It, well, when, I, when I used to work for the state, it's a macro. Your uh, your your boss would have to review the evaluations that you've written, and so I would plug things in just to see if she was actually reading them. And one of them was hopeless slack ass. <laughs> and, she, and she read it and came in my office and was like, um, this isn't an appropriate comment of the, on the, on the, uh, associates performance. This needs to change. I'm like, Oh, 
Wow, I didn't think she read those. (laughs) 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 So I was thinking of you yesterday, Tim. I was I was wearing my uh, my Chuck Taylors with flash on them. Okay. And so I I I always as I'm lacing them up, I'm always like, "This is for you, Tim. This is for you." And so, you know, my wife says, because she always kind of, you know, marvels that I'll wear those outside the house. And, <laughs> and she's like, so I want I wanted the list of who all comments on those while you're at the office today. And, all right. So, you know, right up on the elevator. In the Whoa, not just that you wear them out of the house. You wear them to work? Well, it's casual Friday. <laughs> <laughs> so you come know, on wayne get with the program <laughs> so you know I, I i wear them up to the office right at the elevator with a crowd of people go into the office and i mean it's not just my boss is there on friday his boss was there on friday so uh-huh. you know even better and every time someone would make comment on the shoes i was like well they make, they make me work fast and then i would pose in running mode <laughs> so the day goes on <laughs> At the end of the day, the, one of the women that I was I rode up in the elevator with in the morning yeah, is, on the, is on the is on is on the elevator going down. Yes, she, she is. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know, we're, we're riding down the elevator, and it's just her and I. And she looks over at my shoes, and she goes, "You know, I meant to say something about those this morning." She said that they really put a smile on my face. You know, I I I, I, I it really made my day. And I, and I turn around and sometimes I forget that, you know, the words coming out of my mouth aren't just rattling around in my head. <laughs> but I say to her, baby likes what she sees. <laughs> <laughs> and she looked at me like I was a steaming pile of crap. <laughs> I mean, just like I could not have been more creepy at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Baby likes what she sees. <laughs> so Aaron, um, <laughs> so. Aaron's gonna be out of job. <laughs> thinking you're gonna have a meeting come Monday. Well, fortunately, she doesn't work for us. She works on the fifth floor, so that's not our company. <laughs> oh, fair enough. So she doesn't really count. Exactly, I can sexually harass her all day long. <laughs> Uh, I don't think it's bad that as you tell this story, I'm looking on their website at all the shoes and thinking, man, I'd really like these Joker shoes. You should get some. You should get some, and I'll wear mine to fear the con, and you can wear yours to fear the con, and we'll just get get our picture taken with Tim as his head explodes. Oh God! Good times. Your poor, poor, poor co-workers. <laughs> Baby likes what she sees. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, well, at work to pass the time, I listened to uh, the two-part interview with Kyle Higgins on Fat Man on Batman. It's like three hours of Kyle yeah. Higgins. You know, I've got to quit Kyle doing Higgins. that because his uh, his interviews lately have been really good and they make me want to buy more comics. So uh-huh. I just – right before – we started reading, bought the Nightwing uh, trade for Volume One, and I pre-ordered the Nightwing trade for Volume Two. Yep. Just from listening well, to that interview, I had very much the same experience. Yeah. Well, I should probably we should probably start with the negative. Uh oh. I'm gonna start with a negative comment here, not about Kyle Higgins, but about our good pal Kevin Smith. Oh yes, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> so he has taken to instead of putting his 
bird of salesmanship at the beginning or the end of the show. Yeah, he puts it in the middle. Yeah. It'll like straight up interrupting the conversation. Yeah. So it's yeah. harder for you to fast forward past it. Exactly. You actually have to listen to him trying to make money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. It pissed me off so bad. <laughs> it yeah. is brilliant on his part and it pissed me off too. Yeah, I mean, well, Wayne, I'm gonna cut you off here and now for a word and now for a word from our sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> No. What kind of asshole does that? I yell at your madness cafe for us. <laughs> but other than that, oh man, what an awesome interview that was. Yeah, the Kyle Higgins interview. You know, I, I hadn't been reading uh, Nightwing with the exception of the uh, two Death of the Family stories. And those have been so good, I was already thinking about yeah. Nightwing. But listening to Kyle Higgins talk about Nightwing and how passionate he is about the character was like listening to Scott Snyder talk about Batman. Yeah, I mean, he sold me on uh, you know on his stuff, too. I yeah. mean, it's just something about when you get these really passionate writers yeah. on and just hearing them talk about how much they really care about what they're doing – it gets me excited for it. Yeah, listening to these writers talk about the, their work uh, really, really sells me on the work. I mean, when you hear, you know, sometimes you listen to some guy talking, yeah, I'm writing a book, you know, <laughs> and you can tell that they're not into it. But I mean, this was like the book Kyle Higgins was born to write. I mean, he, he is just so into the mythology around Nightwing and Dick Grayson that, uh, I mean, I was just absolutely sold. And I'm willing to cut him some slack. Yeah, I thought it, um, I, I've actually already read – one of the main topics of conversation was uh, Batman Gates of Gotham, which uh, which was the last Dick Grayson Batman story, pre-New 52. Um, and it was co-written by uh, Scott Snyder and Kyle Higgins, and it, it features basically like a steampunk past of Gotham and how it comes to haunt Gotham in the present. And I, I remember reading it and thought, thinking it was good, but you know, after listening to Kyle Higgins talk about it and how he really wants it to be an animated movie and all that, and how he actually already wrote a treatment for it, I, I'm I, I went ahead and uh, and picked up the the trade paperback. It bugs me that they don't have it in hardcover, but you know, I went and picked it up in trade paperback, and I, I'm looking forward to rereading it, getting a new appreciation of it after hearing that interview. I have to say, he was just as interesting as Scott Snyder. Yeah, no, I, I thought he was too. I, I think I actually that. think he was even more interesting, and that's saying a lot because the Scott Snyder interview was one of the best interviews that wasn't one of our interviews. I, I think that it really sh- demonstrates that uh, there's a lot to talk about on Batman, and you know the, the the movies, the animated series, the the comics, and whatnot. Um, I love that Kevin Smith is able to get them face to face. You know, and they're able to have that that in person interview, but it sure does limit his ability to talk to people. When you think mm-hmm. of how many people are on the East Coast, I know he's back and forth, but uh, I, I was concerned there for a while that we were only going to get animated series people because you know he was in California and he was only going to be able to talk to the Hollywood folks. So, yeah. Well, I'm, and you <clears throat> when you listen to him, he clearly comes at it. He's clearly only interviewing the comic people. Yeah. Because his fans requested. Yeah. Them. Exactly. Yeah, because it's not like he's pulling books every week. No, in fact, they, they talked specifically about how the only stuff he had read was the stuff they had sent him for free. Right. You know, to to read in preparation for the interview, which is you know, I mean, it's fine. I'm not. I'm not. The the fact of the matter is, we got a great interview out of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's primarily focused on the animated series, and that's only going to get you but so far before you're interviewing, you know, the guy who voiced 
Security Guard 7 in episode 65. You know? well, I've actually wondered if that's something that adds to the interviews, that he's not reading them. Because he's asking questions that someone who's reading the comics wouldn't necessarily think to ask because they already know the answers to them. Well, he certainly demonstrated that he's an awfully good interviewer. Um, I, it, it strikes me that, that somebody is going to come along and ask him to uh, you know, do a, an evening talk show at some point. And, you know, you'll just have to – you'll get to see him on, on The Tonight Show behind the desk smoking weed the entire time. Because <laughs> I, I think these guys are getting a contact high when they're in the room because you can hear him sparking up, <laughs> you know, throughout the interview. Yeah. And you've got like on this last one the, the occasional coughing in the middle uh-huh. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and the dog in every episode. Yep. Shaky! We're talking about Batman here. <laughs> We're talking about Kyle's life. Yeah. 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 Yeah, heaven forbid you edit out yelling at the animals. There is no editing that occurs on a Kevin Smith podcast. <laughs> yeah, but you know, if you are interested in Nightwing, um, I recommend checking out the two-part interview. Really, the first part they don't talk about Nightwing much at all. Um, that's really more in the second part, but both parts are tremendously interesting. Yeah, no, really uh, good book. A uh, really good uh, podcast. And it, it basically inspired all three of us who listened to it to buy something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that, you know, that, like you said, when someone's passionate about a character, you know, it really shows in the interview. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think we're, we're kind of in a, a good time right now where people who are truly passionate about the characters and have been since they were kids are getting a chance to write their favorite characters. So yeah. uh, I think what it means is it's inevitable that I'm going to write a Superman book. Or, Cas- have, or Casper. Okay. Yeah, I have to say what I'm listening to, and I'm thinking, man, how young is this guy? Because he's talking about how he picked up uh, the All Access and the uh, Marvel versus DC, and he read the little blurb about Nightwing used to be Robin. Yeah. And that was the first he'd ever heard of Nightwing. He's like, man, I'm feeling old here. Yeah. Well, Wayne, I mean, we are there, old. <laughs> and, and he was talking about Amalgam. Yeah, when he was a kid. Yeah. I mean, I was a kid too. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, yeah, I think he's younger than me, is the impression I got. He's in his 20s. Yeah. Wow. Good for him, man. You know, he's writing one of DC's main characters. Because I, I think of Nightwing. I don't even think of Nightwing as a Batman sidekick anymore, you know? Jackie! Jackie! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I took a drink right before you did that, Aaron. That hurt. <laughs> Sigh. <laughs> We're talking about Nightwing here! <laughs> Good times. Anytime. <laughs> well, what the fuck, Paul? What the fuck about your dog? And uh, what the fuck month? Uh, you know, so DC in a in a brilliant classy, uh, I don't know, a, a brilliant classy move as far as their advertising is concerned, has decided to label their April books as uh, what the fuck books or WTF. <laughs> they, they are. WTF certified. I wish, you know, and so you know, of course, people are up in arms about it, saying WTF on, you know, fifty-two comic book covers. But um, yeah, so April, basically, all of their new fifty-two books are going to be gatefold covers, featuring supposedly something when you unfold the cover that will make you say, "What the fuck?" Um, you know, like they, gatefold they've covers. Gatefold covers. Was this nineteen ninety-eight? Well, you know, <laughs> Age of Ultron number one has a chromium cover, so I'm going to say yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that pains me to hear that. <laughs> um, 
so WTF month, uh, a couple of the covers have already been released. Well, snuck out. Um, I guess from people who don't know any better, Red Hood and the Outlaws, the uh, issue 19 cover has been shown. I think because I think these are issue 19s and uh, Stormwatch, which is kind of the most interesting one I think uh, so far. Uh, their gatefold cover has been revealed, showing that it appears. I, I think that's the issue where Jim Starlin takes over. Oh yes. And uh, showing an entirely different Stormwatch from an alternate dimension, possibly taking over for the existing Stormwatch, including the Weird. Yes. And I love Jim Starlin's The Weird. Yeah, so the Weird is going to be a member of Stormwatch. It's almost like he's rebooting the book. Yeah, with a- with, with cool characters. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm I, I don't care for Stormwatch. Uh, I was never a big Wildstorm fan, but uh, I am I am on this like white on rice. I. Uh, like I was Thanos kind of on, the, on the Infinity Gauntlet, I am all up in that. I was actually kind of annoyed that they brought Stormwatch into the DC Universe proper. It just doesn't seem to have a place there to me. And just kind of, I ignore that they exist because I don't pick up any of their books. Right. Because yeah. they're even being there kind of changes the dynamic of the universe to me. They're too powerful like to, <laughs> to just be another team out there. You know, I, um, I tried Stormwatch, and I just could not get into it. But I like Jim Starlin. I mean, I really do like the guy. I think his writing is a little hit or miss sometimes. Um, but I'm, I'm picking up his uh, – I'm going to pick up his uh, What the Fuck Stormwatch issue. Because, I mean, hey, it's got, the like you said, the weird. And I love the weird. Jim yeah. Starlin and Bernie Wrightson. Fuck yeah. So let me get my... this straight, Paul. You like yes. Jim Starlin, but you don't like his writing. So does he like bake you a cake? <laughs> I don't dislike his writing. I think his writing sometimes is hit or miss. I think his writing is, and I hate to say this, it's a little dated. It still is, you know. Yeah. And he even said when we interviewed him uh, that you know his uh, his artwork isn't what a lot of people are looking for these days. You know, because he has a very distinctive style that is very 1970s, 1980s. Yeah, and that's know? the same with his writing too. Yeah. I mean, Jim Starlin is doing a 19. 19- 90 book still you know yeah. every when you read a jim starlin book you know you're going to read a book that you probably would have read back in 1990 yeah um and that, that, that's no complaint because that's when i grew up reading comic books and i loved jim starlin stuff back then yeah um so i'm curious how stormwatch is going to turn out and i'm curious about this what the fuck month um, well and and it kind of amuses me because you know the new 52 push has been you know a push to get new readers in younger readers uh especially throwing wtf up on the cover you know, I think is going to uh, spawn some conversations that maybe some parents might not want to have. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I, I'm reminded of, of when I went to uh, Zestfest last year, which was a uh, festival for uh, you know jalapenos and hot hot food, you know, spicy food. And uh, there was a guy dressed up, and he was like, "I'm hotter than a mofo man." And uh, the little girl <laughs> okay. next to, the little girl next to me asked uh, her father, "Daddy." What's a mofo? (laughs) (laughs) And I think that you could get very much have that same situation. What's WTF? Yeah, Yeah, that reminds me of the time I went to Burning Man. I said what WTF a lot. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I think it's an interesting concept. You know, I mean, DC, it seems like they're going to do something every six months anyway. I mean, it really does. You know, every couple of months they're going to try something to get people in, you know, whether it be zero issues or or something. So, I mean, a WTF month with gatefold covers, I mean – it, it, I think one of the covers is uh, that they're bringing back Booster Gold. 
Um, yeah, they said that for one of them. Yeah, so I mean, I'm 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 going in with an open mind. If it's a, a month of shocking cliffhangers and shocking events, I'm okay with it. Um, and the, the Stormwatch one interests me because it seems like it's replacing the existing New Fifty Two characters with characters from an alternate universe. And I'm I'm wondering if we'll see some of that in the other books as well. You know, I mean, now that DC has won the uh, the court case with uh, the Siegel Schusters, mm-hmm. are, are we going to see some of the old Superman elements creeping back in? I would hope so. And I'm, I'm curious about some of that stuff. Um, I'm wondering if maybe they won't. I mean, I, they've been reluctant to do anything that's like an Elseworlds book, you know, or an alternate universe book. Um, but I would love to see them telling stories in, you know, the pre-New 52 universe again. You know, well, just do it under one title. You know? you know, Paul, it would be the perfect time for them to bring some of that Superman stuff back for two main reasons. One, they're doing a what's leading into a time travel story in the Superman books. Hell on Earth is, you know, obviously seems to point to time travel. So I expect them to go back to Krypton and maybe make some changes that tweaks the origin a little bit. And the other is you've got the movie coming up. So anything they can do to align the comic with the movie, I I could easily see DC doing some Superman tweaks right now, now that the lawsuit's over. Well, and not only that, I mean, we're seeing that the book DC is releasing for free comic book day is a pre news 52 story. Um, I'm, I'm just curious as to, you know, maybe this WTF month really is, I mean, a part of the point of the new 52 was because of this Siegel Schuster case, you know, and, and the way that they were worried it would affect Superman. Yeah. So now that that's been resolved until the appeal, I guess, you know, um, uh, I'm wondering if you know they're gonna maybe undo some of it. No, it, it's just a, it's an interesting idea and uh, anything to to get attention on on their books and change the books up a little bit. I'm okay with. So I, I'm gonna I will probably end up picking up more WTF books than I would normally from DC on any given month. I will probably, unless they do some sort of stupid bagging thing, spend more time standing at the comic <laughs> stand and opening the gatefold covers so I can see what the covers look like than I usually would do. I wonder how the gatefold covers are going to work on my iPad. Oh, that's a good point. I wonder if, you know, all of a sudden my uh, iPad's going to turn into a gatefold screen. That would be sweet. That You know, just like a transformer, you know. <laughs> 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 There's an app for that. <laughs> so, so, Tim? I feel like Tim might have something to say. Yeah, I feel like Tim Tim has a Tim Liliqui for us. Uh, no, this is going to be interactive. Uh-oh. So, here, here's, what, here's, what, here's what happened uh, this week. You know, I was excited. I got to, I got to actually be on my funny books. I'm not, I'm not a, a slave to the man this, today, so I was happy about that. I go to the comic store on Thursday, and a uh, comic dude comes out and hands me Journey into Mystery. He says, that's it. Like, I'm pretty sure signed up for Batman and Robin. He's like, oh, let me look. Oh, yeah, you're signed up for Batman and Robin, but you didn't sign up for the annual. I'm like, what? And so it's kind of a dilemma, guys, because we had this conversation before about how uh, I think it was Paul got the annuals, but he didn't want them. Yeah, it was Fantastic Four, I think. The yeah, it, you know, something like that. So it's like Mike, Mike, I did the opposite, and I'm like, I'm kind of, I was, I was already livid, you know, because there wasn't any more on the shelf. Which, what the hell was Thursday? Wow. Um, and so I was like, all right, well, 
<laughs> I told this comic dude to take his uh, journey to mystery and put put it back in my box now. <laughs> I was so <laughs> mad. Yeah. And so I, I'm sitting there thinking, it's like, now I'm thinking, because then I wasn't thinking. Then I was thinking about setting the, not, not setting fire to things. But I'm sitting there thinking, it's like, I, as a comic store owner, I, I think that's probably fair. Now, granted, this book wasn't like seven ninety nine. No, I think it was only it was four ninety nine. But I mean, yeah, still. it was more. But it wasn't. Yeah. Most it comic wasn't, shop owners will err on the side of putting the books in your bag because they don't think you'll put them back whether you want them or not. Right, right. And so I didn't get Batman or out. And so I sent the wife on a quest to a different city. She was already there to find me Batman and Robin. They didn't have it. They were wow. a gin- ginormous fail. But that place, there's a reason we don't go to that place anymore. So I didn't. I wasn't expecting a whole lot, and I was not disappointed. And so what? I'm sitting there thinking, it's like, well, I just skipped the podcast, and I have nothing to talk about. Because I told the other guy to stick his journey into mystery. And uh, so I, I, I threw out the bad signal. I had a feeling my buddy would help me out, and Paul, Paul hooked me up. Look at Paul. That's what I do. And... Uh, you know, I this digital comic thing. I gotta say, you know, ever since Larry's comics and now this, I'm starting to soften my stance a little bit on it. I think with a lot of books, I want the I want the real thing, but as an alternative to bullshittery, <laughs> not not too shabby. So, yeah. Paul, you get a tremendous thank you for uh, helping me out, hooking me up, and uh, no giving me something to talk about this week. Digital <laughs> digital coding is that what you did? Well, yeah, yeah. well, yeah, yeah. So, and you know, one of the things about that, one of the things about digital, and I'm not going to go into this whole digital diatribe because I know that would not, that would basically undo all the goodwill that I've got. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, you know, when, but you know, it, I'm going to talk a little bit about polls because I was talking to Aaron about my polls this week. Aaron and I were talking. Yes. Um, and there is nothing Paul likes to talk about more than poll. Uh-huh. <laughs> he is all about the poll. The polls, yes. My weekly polls. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was talking about – what book were we talking about? We were, oh, um, I think New Avengers. We were talking about Avengers and New Avengers. Yes. And I – you know, my, the way my comic shop works is I can either put individual issues in, but it's sometimes better to subscribe to a book so that you get every issue, like much like Tim with his journey into mystery. Um, you know that, or or your Batman and Robin, where you say, okay, I get Batman and Robin, and he'll put every issue in. Well, so I was debating about doing New Avengers because, like, I did Avengers side unseen, the Jonathan Hickman Avengers, and other than the first issue, I have not enjoyed any issue since. <laughs> so I went ahead and unsubscribed from it, and you know I don't like to do that. I don't like to subscribe to a book. Then the guy can, you know, basically thinks, okay, this is going to be his book. I'm going to put in my orders, knowing that he's going to buy this every month, right? And then take it out. Um, and but so I'm hesitant to do it with New Avengers because even though I'm liking the book. I may not like the second arc, you know, and I think one thing that digital comics does is it gives you a little bit of freedom. You know, uh, you don't really have to be considerate to your comic shop guy to, to, to pick up a book digitally, you know, well, and or you not. Know, I, you know, I'm all about the physical books. I don't like reading them in digital format, but digital doesn't sell out. And that's why I that's yeah. why I've bought a lot of the digital books I have bought over the last year and a half or so is because I can't find the physical book, but I still want to read it. You know, one of the downsides is, you know, for my pull list, I get 15% off, you know, so I get a discount on, on my floppies. So my floppies are always going to be cheaper than the digital copy. Um, 
you know, until they, they change up those pricing. But, you know, for me, it's, you know, getting busier and busier at work all the time. I got to tell you, it's so freaking convenient to just download my books versus having to run out to the comic shop. You know, in no, fact, that, the, go ahead. The, the, the conversation that Paul and I were having earlier this week is I think I'm there. I think I'm 100% digital on my floppies now. I think I'm only going to uh, buy uh, uh, trades and hardcovers uh, for physical books now. Because I'm, I'm enjoying, I, you know, having collected for as long as I have, I've got more comics than I've got space for. So I'm, I'm kind of enjoying not being, you know, crushed under the volume of comics that I have. I would have a particular hard time doing that with some of the Marvel stuff, like the ones that actually have the codes in them. Yeah. Because it's like, well, if I'm going to pay the same price, why wouldn't it buy and that's physical? What, because that's, then I get both. And that's been my struggle. And that's where I've been lately is that I, I've not bought anything that didn't have a digital code. Uh, but you know, for the last two weeks, I've not had a chance to get to the comic shop, so I bought my books digitally, so you know I could talk on Saturday. So. And, you know, part of it, part of it is I'm kind of a function of my own environment. If I didn't have you guys to talk to every Saturday, uh-huh. not getting the Batman and Robin annual until next week for se- wouldn't whatever. have been a big deal. No, yeah, whatever, yeah. that's fine. And no. that's that's the same for me. If if we didn't have a a standing date on Saturday mornings to talk about comics, you know, the fact that I'm traveling or something wouldn't be an issue, and I'd just go ahead and and pick up my books a week or two late. You know, not a big deal. I always kind of enjoyed coming home with a great big stack of comics and you know getting to read chunks of story all at one time. Yeah, getting the stink eye from the wife. Yeah, <laughs> my my reading pace is adjusted by it too because I know we're going to talk on Saturday. Right. On Friday night, I go through. It's like, okay, what are we most likely to talk about that I haven't read yet? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I gotta say <clears throat> to people listening to the show, this podcast would be a lot more inconsistent. If it wasn't for digital comics, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, it, it truly would. We 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 would have more clip shows. <laughs> we we just find different shit to talk about we because we don't have that. time, and we don't have to time to go every week to the comic shop, you know. And you know, if we. I remember when we first started the podcast that I would have to go to three or four shops to find a freaking book because it wasn't on my pull. Right. You know, and but they announced the day ahead of time that it was going to be the biggest issue of the year or something, you know, like Cat, the death of Captain America. Yeah. And so it sold out by the time yeah. I got to the comic shop, you know, stuff because like the that. USA Today article came out before the comic shop opened. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid USA Today. <laughs> but yeah, so, the, the convenience of digital, I mean, is huge for somebody who who can't get to the shop, you know. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, that's that's. I'm struggling with it, and I, I feel like I'm at this place where I'm 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 breaking up with my my comic shop. You know, I feel like I'm you know because he's been good to me. My my comic shop is uh, is a fantastic comic shop, but I kind of feel like I'm at that point where uh, you know I have to tell him that I just want to be friends. <laughs> <laughs> so Tim, the book that you read digitally this week was Batman and Robin Annual Number One. Uh-huh. Uh, featuring Damian Wayne as Batman on the cover in his Batman Junior costume, yeah. <laughs> um, which well, if anyone's face, <laughs> which I don't know if anyone's uh, read any of the Grant Morrison future Damian Wayne stories, but that's the same costume he wears in the future, right? When he's full grown Batman. Um, so, what do you guys think of this one? But- Batman Junior is a dick. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Of course, he's Damian. He's Damian Wayne. Damian Wayne's I, a dick. Uh, it is book of the week. I thought uh, this blew the doors off 
I, I, it was a fantastic book. Yeah, and Wayne, you know, Damian Wayne's not a dick in this book. What he actually does is he sends Bruce Wayne on a scavenger hunt around the world to basically visit the places where his parents went on his honey on their honeymoon and where they brought him on a trip when he was a kid and he didn't remember. So I mean, it's kind of like he he was helping Bruce discover his his past again while covering for him in Gotham in a Batman costume. And I thought that was awesome. Yeah, it, it was a sweet book. You I, know? I I love the villain angle too. Mm-hmm. That was that was very that was a very nice twist. I I just I, I completely dug everything about this book. The artwork was beautiful. I, I enjoyed the character moments in the story. I liked that you know uh, Bruce cuts Alfred lo- loose to go hook up. You know, <laughs> it's it's like it's such a different Batman story mm-hmm. than any of the Batman stories we're getting right now um, in that it's it's a genuinely lighthearted Batman story. Mm-hmm. It's Are there not, any notes on when it takes place? Um, not really. Yeah, because I was wondering if this is supposed to be before uh, before think, the Joker storyline. My let's guess is just, that it's before the Joker story. Let's just make that assumption yeah. because yeah. I think in a month we'll know. Yeah. Never mind. But <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I really like this book. Titus got so much screen time; it was awesome. You know, it's like they know that if you throw the dog on a page, you know, there's a certain segment of the comic book world that's like, "Fuck yeah, I love this book." Because <laughs> <laughs> who's a good bat dog? Who's a good bat dog? You are Titus. You are Titus. <laughs> I love him talking to his dog. It's so great. We only have another day, Titus. We're going to make the most of it. <laughs> you know, it's uh, really what they just need to do is they need to say, Pete Tomasi, screw Batman and Robin. Just make it a Robin book. Yeah. That way he can just focus on Damian Wayne. And I mean, that's essentially what the book has turned into. Um, and that's how it differentiates itself from the other Batman books. But man, this annual was so good. And the art uh, by Artie and Saif was really damn good. Well, and I love that scene where, you know, Alfred and uh, Bruce are in London and they're they're in the hotel room and and Alfred's like, you know, to see so many of my old friends at the at the Globe catch up on the gossip, perhaps the uh, perhaps see Catherine, that would be quite the delight. She was the first woman who showed and Bruce throws a pillow at him. I'll pay you not to finish that sentence. <laughs> you know, the, the I don't I don't want to hear about your intimate details. And I, I love that they're even more so kind of tweaking that Alfred Bruce relationship where it's more father and son. Yes, um, I think you, that's great. And you get creeped out when your dad starts talking about his old sex life. <laughs> well, and Alfred tells him to shut up on the last page. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought that was awesome. I just I love the dynamic as Pete Tomasi writes it. Yeah. And then, you know, there's the scene where, uh, you know, Damien, you know, <laughs> is wearing Bruce Wayne's bathrobe. <laughs> drinking his 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 brandy i mean it's just cracking me up and waiting for the sun to go down yeah go down already <laughs> i i found it interesting that damien did all that research and it says something about what you know the compartmentalization that bruce does yeah he's the world's greatest detective but he never like looked into his parents history yeah that was cool yeah i mean it's it's, it's just it is a really great story and it's a feel-good story um it's funny it's got humor it's just it, whether you like damian wayne or not i i really think the book is just a damn good book yeah and but if you like damian wayne you're gonna enjoy it a hell of a lot more because mm-hmm. you're not getting punk ass damian wayne i mean you're getting a little bit of that but you're getting you know damian wayne still trying to connect with his father yeah yeah you're 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 getting more 
there's, there's a lot more growth. He's a lot less punk ass than he was in Batman and Son. <laughs> yeah, I just I, I really enjoyed this book, and this is a great one-off book. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to be reading anything else in the Bat Universe. You could pick this book up and know what it is. And I would recommend if somebody's like, yeah, yeah, what should I be reading in comics? Hand them this annual because this annual is fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, I I want to see Damian Wayne in that costume more. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I, the, the the Batman Junior. <laughs> but he doesn't like being called that. No, it's and Batman. I'd love to see with Commissioner Gordon too. Oh God, you know Commissioner <laughs> Gordon's. You know he's he's trying to hide himself behind the lamp so that uh, you know Commissioner Gordon didn't realize it's him. And he's like that voice, Robin. <laughs> I love that he's trying to do the Christian Bale voice, and he's a ten year old. That's good stuff. It'd be like if Andrew's kid tried to do the bad Christian voice. <laughs> it's high squeaky I swear to me. I see Andrew as Batman and his son as Robin. I need D- that for, for Halloween this year. Done. Done. That happen. I don't care if we have to do a Kickstarter. Yes. <laughs> this will happen. <laughs> Kickstarter to Andrew's charity. I don't care. That's oh, yeah, I call that a stretch goal. That's what I call that. <laughs> stretch goal. <laughs> So also this week from DC, Aquaman number 16 continued the Throne of Atlantis storyline. I think this is issue four of the crossover uh, from last week's uh, continuing from last week's Justice League. Wayne, you read this book. Yeah, I will comment that this is a true crossover, too. This isn't like one of those uh, like some of the stuff on Hell on Earth and some of the other things. It's just the same events from different characters perspectives. That's not what they're doing with this crossover. Each issue is the next part of the story i have to tell dc after this issue please stop shoving cyborg down my throat yeah there is i don't like this character there is an unpleasant amount of cyborg in this book yeah more cyborg than aquaman really yeah and and i mean to, to to wayne's point it makes sense for the crossover but uh you would expect to see more aquaman in his own book yeah. yeah, I mean, I maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm just not getting it. I don't think a cyborg is a great character. He's not a great character, and I'm not. That's why you don't think of him it. as such. <laughs> well, and they, they keep trying, but I'm not seeing it yet. I'm not yeah. seeing him have. But he gave shot. up his lung. But so what? He had I mean, lung, and he gave it up to save Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman. That's what a hero does. He gives up his lung. But that's his problem. He's not human enough for me to empathize <laughs> with to care about. <laughs> yeah, I. I this crossover has been really good. I just wish it didn't have such a strong cyborg element to yeah. it. Yeah, if he could just die in the trench, if uh, if the trench <laughs> dwellers could just eat the the remaining fleshy parts of him, because uh, you know I kind of like the uh, the the electronic parts of him. <laughs> it's the humanity I dislike. <laughs> you know what I think I got the biggest kick out of in this particular part of the crossover, Aquaman having to carry Batman around in a pod. <laughs> There's they're a the Aryan Batman going on in the yeah. They're at the okay. bottom of the ocean, so Batman can't get out of his pod or he'd die. But he's still planning and he's still, you know, calling all the shots. But Aquaman just has to carry him around under his arm like a little kid. It's a little awkward. <laughs> I, I I think the artwork in this book is beautiful. Um, I, I really think it's very well drawn. Um, with the exception of the cyborg stuff, I enjoyed the book. Um, and I was rather surprised by what happened on the last page. I was too. Yeah, I didn't see that coming. And, and as I look back over the storyline, I should have. They've there've been a few hints here and there, but it uh, is a nice twist. 
Yeah. I have to wonder why why did Cyborg even need to have his lung replaced when when he jumps out he's already got a headgear on anyway. Couldn't yeah, have just I, been providing him oxygen. Yeah, I was a little uh, surprised by that as well. You know, because I would expect that he'd just be able to go down there. Yeah. You know? But uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I, it's just a reason for him to be <clears throat> melodramatic. Because he's a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just it's, I'm enjoying the crossover though. I think I think there's I don't know if there's one or two more issues left, but if there's uh, just think, one. It concludes in Justice League number seventeen. Ah, I mean, and and the art's been good. It's just been a really interesting crossover. I like how it's kind of been the culmination of things that have been building in Aquaman since the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, this is all about the Aquaman storyline. Yeah. And I really like the trench, those characters. The the monsters. They're very monstrous. Yes. Yeah. I like the design on them. I think yeah. they're they're pretty pretty creepy looking. Yeah, it's a very satisfying design. A lot of times when you know they give you the, the big monster uh, villain, the design's not particularly effective. But I like these guys. Yeah, Absolutely. and I love how they make their appearance in this book, mm-hmm. where it's uh, you've got hope, and it's like, oh, we're going to have light now, and then no, they're being attacked. Well, I, I particularly enjoy the uh, hey, where'd all the bad guys go? If they're not here, where are they? And then you know. They're in, invading. Yeah, it's pretty damn cool. It's it's a big blockbuster storyline. I mean, it feels yeah. like a movie, really. Yeah. The one thing I really want to see out of the storyline, though, is after this is over, I want impact in other books. I don't want this to have just been contained in Justice League and Aquaman, because big things happened. Cities got flooded. People died. There was an invasion. Other books should mention it. I want that continuity to happen. Hey, hey, Wayne. Uh, it's yeah. not going to be mentioned in any other book. <laughs> I, I know it won't. And that's the thing that bothers me about this so much huh. is that it's such a good story, such a big epic scale story, and they're not going to ever mention it anywhere else. It's well, not going to have why. any impact outside of Aquaman. Because all those people who died were unimportant, Wayne. No one cares <laughs> about them. And unemployed. <laughs> well, and unliving now. So, so, Did you notice that on one panel, Mira calls uh, Arthur Aruther? <laughs> but a Ruther, I did not notice that. And I had, it's it's you know I assume it's a a typo, but it made me you know search to make sure he didn't have some other Atlantean name where a Ruther is his uh, <laughs> is his Atlantean name. But no, I just think it was bad edit. <laughs> that's, 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 that's their bedroom name. <laughs> You know, I I think the DC universe doesn't ever really have any you know economy problems because their cities are constantly being destroyed. So everyone has a job to fix them, and the people that had the jobs before get killed off all the time as no names. So there's always new jobs to have. It's, it's kind the of like perfect Avengers Tower, really. Yeah, it, yeah, it's the perfect economy. You just need superheroes because then everybody has a job or dies. <laughs> so speaking of dying, Invincible number one hundred. Was the conclusion of the death of everyone is the name <laughs> of the storyline. I was so nervous. Wait, 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 book. Tim. Do you need to put your headset up? Take your headset off. Tim already took his headphones off. <laughs> <laughs> OK, I'm out. I was so, so nervous about this book because Kirkman has a habit of finding the characters you really like and killing them in vicious, brutal ways. And he's already done the whole uh, Eve death, but she didn't really die thing. Mm-hmm. So. I was I expected Eve to die in this book. That's what I was really afraid of, and that's why I wanted to read it as soon as I possibly could to see what character I cared about he was going to kill. 
And I was jaw-droppingly shocked when I got to the end of it and no one died. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of people died. Let's be honest. But they're all unimportant. Like exactly. all those people who died. In the, and so it, in a very similar manner, a lot of people drowned in the death of everyone. And a lot of people drowned in the Throne of Atlantis storyline. But, of course, they're all people we don't know. Um so basically, Invincible number 100 begins with Invincible getting his head exploded and torn in half by Dinosaurus, um, except that we find out it was a clone. It wasn't really Invincible. Just kidding. Um, I, Wayne, I thought it sucked. I'm sorry. I, I absolutely love this book. This is – I really enjoyed the ending of the storyline. I enjoyed that he didn't kill anyone. I liked the uh, the fact that it didn't go – multiple issues with people thinking he was dead like uh eve is crying and telling his parents about his death and then he walks into the room yeah but i mean it's the problem is i've seen this scene i've seen this scene at least four times in invincible you know where mark gets jacked up everyone thinks he's dead oh he's back he's okay you know and uh, yes it's lasted longer than one issue but you know i, I i've complained about kirkman and his cyclical writing style before and how it just seems like he just writes the same story arcs over and over and over and that's exactly what this felt like to me is it's a story i've seen before and it just and if anything it had less impact than it did previous times if he would have actually been beaten to a bloody pulp i might agree with you but it wasn't it was people thought that he was dead but he wasn't even beaten up I know, but I, that's that's even worse for me. I don't know. I just I thought it was I did not care for this. I mean the art no complaints about Ryan Otley. Ryan Otley is a stupendous artist. But this storyline, I just the only scene I liked in pretty much this entire storyline was um the the way Dinosaurus went out. Where he's like, you know what, you're right, there's only one way that this is gonna resolve. I need you to kill me. I, yeah, I liked I, that scene. I said I I really enjoyed the whole storyline. I I was pleasantly surprised that nobody died. I love the issues before this when you're dealing with the uh, the guy that replaced Invincible for a while. I'm looking forward to the fallout from that. I like Eve being pregnant again. I I think that's going to be an interesting story. I think seeing one of the uh, the aliens in this one, the uh, the Viltramites, break down and go out to save people knowing that by doing so that violates the treaty that they've got set. I think that was a good moment too. Yeah. I, mean, I completely disagree with you. I, I love this. Yeah, see, for me, it felt like it was just a book to get everything back to status quo. Yes. I know Eve is pregnant, so that's a little different, but I mean, okay. So Mark's working for the government again. He's on call again and blah, blah, blah. I just, yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I got caught up. I, I think I dropped out during the invincible war, like issue 72. I dropped out, and then I got caught all the way up just in time for this issue 100, and I'm really disappointed. Um, I, I will pick up 101 to see where the story is headed, and uh, if I'm not impressed, I think I'm out again. I just yeah. I'm not I'm not digging it. I don't think it's going to return to a status quo at all. I think it's going to be I think there are going to be some big shakeups because of the storyline, and I think that we won't really see those shakeups until the next couple issues. And knowing Kirkman and the way he's done writing before, since everyone was expecting a death here and it didn't happen, I half expect some major character to die next issue. Now that everyone's breathed a sigh of relief, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if he kills someone in 101. Well, we shall see. We shall see. And for me, it just it, it didn't connect with me as a reader. Um, so, But uh, obviously, we have some conflicting views on this one. So I'd say give it a shot. 
and uh, let us know what you think in the comments. So Tim can come back so we can talk about Superior Spider-Man number two. Um, so this is the second issue of the uh, Dr. Octopeter storyline. <laughs> um, <laughs> that sounds so dirty. <laughs> well, it, it kind of is a dirty issue because in this issue, Dr. Octopus pretty much spends the entire book trying to get in Mary Ann's pants. Mary, Ann, Mary Jane's pants. Hers and too. Mary Ann's pants too. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, and I have to say, every... Every comic podcast out there seems to be talking about would it be rape if he had sex with Mary Jane? Really? That's a yeah. Well, you know, that's a conversation it, that keeps happening. Is it, is it rape when you meet a girl at a bar and you tell her that you're an architect? <laughs> and, and and when she finds out that you're working the counter at Target, um, <laughs> is that rape? Because that's essentially what it is. Well, and well, they say court cases where like where this has happened with twins where one of them pretended to be the other twin. And there's a couple other cases like that that they all keep citing. And I'm glad to see Marvel is doing something to avoid that stupid internet debate continuing. <laughs> well, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, because it's not like they jump in the sack. It's not like she says, you're Peter. I'm going to have sex with you. They go on dating. So it's it's not like she's having sex with him under the assumption that he's just the Peter Parker she's always known and loved. They're starting over as a couple and so they go on some dates and dr octopus is always trying to you know and you know seal he's, the deal yeah that's right he's trying to close the deal abc mm. always be closing <laughs> <laughs> so and, and then he realizes oh wait i don't have to do that i have peter parker's memories i can just think about having sex with mary jane so and i mean you know what that, that is doesn't the, work uh, let FYI. me tell you let me tell you i was so creeped out by his masturbation fantasy, uh, I was like, okay, I'm a little bit more comfortable with uh, <laughs> with him trying to bag Mary Jane than than I am with him going, ah, oh, you know, uh, having Peter Parker's memories is kind of like having my own porn channel. I uh, who well, and when you <laughs> when you remember how this seems to work, when Peter was bringing up Ox memories, he actually relive them right he felt those things so i would assume the same as the case yeah. for doc when he pulls up peter's memories it's not just like us remembering something that happened to us he gets to experience them yeah <laughs> his weekly polls oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I don't know moral debate aside what did you guys think of the issue i thought it was entertaining uh you know it wasn't uh it wasn't a great book, in my opinion. Uh, I understand why they needed to tell this story early on because, you know, uh, I there there are a lot of people who are very concerned about uh, what Peter was gonna what 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 Doctor Peter was gonna do with uh, you know Mary Jane. So I mean, I get that. I, I didn't have those concerns because I figured, you know, hey, it's just a story. But uh, I loved I loved it, and the the Ryan Stegman artwork was fantastic. I absolutely love this book, and this would be my book of the week, because basically because of Peter. This is the most in-character I think I've seen Peter in a long time, and it's while he's dead and haunting Doc Ock. I mean, everything he says, his reactions to these situations, the frustration that he's feeling, this just screams Peter Parker to me. And that's why I loved it. The Spider-Man stuff, not as not as big of a draw, but the Peter Parker witnessing this and reacting to it, that's what is selling me on this book right now. Yeah, same here. Uh, I'm I'm enjoying the the Peter Ock dynamic. I'm I'm 
I'm hopeful that at one time, at one point, they'll be able to communicate with each other. But I, I, I like that Peter's not out. You know, I, I like that they didn't wait to br- to bring that element in until issue seven or something. You know, right. uh, I like that they did it right off the bat because you know we know what we're in for. We know that eventually this is going to turn around, which we knew already. But with Peter there, it seems like it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Um, so I'm curious what you guys thought of the art in this book. Loved it. I loved it. So. Most of it I thought was very good, with the exception of every time Carly Cooper's on the panel. I, I will say that Carly was not cute. He made Carly ugly. She's supposed to be this very cute character, and we've seen her very cute in previous art. There's like no other complaints about any of the art here except for Carly. No, I did notice that, that, that there was nothing cute about Carly in this book. You know, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, she's just always kind of been that, that nerdy, cute girl. And uh, she lo- almost looks like a homeless person. Well, I got to say, I think one thing, as much as I love Stegman's art, I think one thing that he probably does need to work on is his women characters. Because even Mary Jane's not very hot. Uh, there, are a few, bite your, there are a few panels where I agree with you. There. Bite your tongue, Paul. I mean, it, it, she is in, in general, but she's not in this issue. And I think I, it's just, I don't know, maybe it's an art choice. An, an art yeah. choice, not a, a, his style. But I have well, to and, say the, uh, the big one-page panel of Mary Jane on Spider-Man's back as they're swinging around the city, that pulled so much nostalgia out of me as I, as I saw that. Just the, the art style there reminded me of 90s. Mm-hmm. It's a good book. It's a good book. It's probably my uh, second favorite book this week. Yeah, I'd say so. Even though, i got to be honest, our next book um, is Injustice, Gods Among Us, number one. Now, we talked about Injustice, Gods Among Us, the digital version, uh, a couple weeks ago. And so Injustice, Gods Among Us, number one in print collects the first three issues um, of the digital copy, of the digital comic. And it's interesting because the digital comics are 99 cents a piece. So for three bucks, you can get or you can get it digitally or for four bucks you can get it in print um but this collected the first three issues or stories and i gotta say i am loving the hell out of this book so i have one art complaint about it and it's purely a coloring complaint what is up with lois lane's hair yeah i agree the that was why in the first digital issue I wasn't sure that it was Lois until uh, Batman calls her Lois at one point, you know, because then he never said she never he never says her name. And, you know, she does make the Smallville comment. But, you know, she looked different enough. I was like, who is this person? You know, yeah, the writing, though, is top notch. The art is really good. My only complaint at all through the entire book was that coloring. I uh, I did not see the end coming to this book. You know, I did. the, the, I didn't see the switch up, you know, the, the, uh, I mean, I, I, I knew what was going to happen. I mean, I, you, 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 yeah. you, 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 so we're, you kind of have to spoil it a little bit. Sure. I mean, so we, we, we talked a couple of weeks ago about how we knew something bad was going to happen to Lois. What actually happened? I wasn't expecting. Yeah, no, I knew some, something terrible was going to happen to Lois, but the way it happens was not my expectation. Yeah. And it, it was mine because I've seen this happen before. In alternate Superman storylines where they want to drive Superman to be evil, that seems to be one of the ways they tend to do it. So I I did expect that. What, the, su- what, what Superman story are you talking about? Uh, I can think of a couple, but the biggest one, the most recent one, is the one for the MMO, where they did something very similar. Mm. Where uh, 
I don't you know, I don't want to spoil that ending for people who haven't read something like that, but it's the same concept because it has a bigger impact on Superman than just killing her. Well, I uh, I, I really am, am digging this. Now, how, how many issues is this going to be, Paul? I don't know. Uh, and that's something – I don't know how many issues it is. I don't think it's been announced. On, did, Wayne, does it say issue one of something on the cover of the print book? No, because I went looking for that to see if it did. I even checked the uh, the credits to see if it would mention it in there, and it doesn't. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I wish I knew. And I don't know if it's just leading up to the game, or is it going to tell the story of the game? Um, because what's interesting, uh, Injustice Gods Among Us, the game that's coming out, uh, I think in April, it, they, they released a storyline trailer this week. And the story of the game looks pretty interesting. I, I hope the the comic continues it. In that Batman, I mean, essentially they need to team up with the villains to take on Superman. Um, and it looks possibly like even Wonder Woman. Um, so Batman teams up with Harley Quinn and Lex Luthor to take down Superman uh, because Superman, after this, after the events of this issue, you know, clearly things go downhill. So I, I, I'm really this book has me really excited about the game and I know it's a fighting game, but it looks like it has a genuinely interesting story. So I'm, I'm this, it's successful in that I'm, I'm going to buy the game and it's a fighting game with a story that I'm genuinely interested in. So I won't buy the fighting game because I get bored with them very quickly, but I am enjoying the story. I have a fear that it may end up like the, uh, like the one for the MMO where I jumped on board and you know, I really was enjoying the book. And then I realized it's not like even a, uh, it's not a six issue miniseries, not a 12 issue miniseries. It's up in the twenties. Cause I don't want to make that commitment. To sure. It, you know, I want yeah. to do yeah. a shorter miniseries. That's why I wish it would say, you know, I just want to know how long the story is going to be. So is it still too late to pre-order to get the uh, bonus? No, no. Um, in fact, you could probably pre-order up until the week beforehand. So what we're talking about is if you pre-order, you get a Red Sun bonus pack that actually has the story of Red Sun and the characters are in Red Sun costumes. Um, and there are like three different versions of the game. Um, there's a regular version, there's a, a, a deluxe version, and I think there's a super deluxe version that comes with a statue. Yeah. So in GameStop, I was, I'm on the GameStop site right now, and they're showing it's fifty nine ninety nine. Uh, to pre-order, you know, of course, with their pre-order uh, price guarantee, and you get the Red Sun pack with it. So it looks yeah. pretty cool. But, I mean, up until then, pick up the comic. Um, you can get them all digitally thus far. And if you're a Superman fan or just a pre-New 52 fan or whatever, I mean, just I think it's a really good story. I mean, Wayne says he uh, he's read something similar to it before. I, I've actually never seen a story quite take this angle with it. And maybe it's just that I haven't read the right story, but I, I, it truly caught me by surprise the viciousness of of how they handled Lois, you know. And I, I think it, I think Aaron and I were were saying that some people are kind of up in arms about it. Yeah, you know, I saw online that uh, you know people were already saying, well, you know, here we are, we're refrigerating Lois. You know, it's time to put more <laughs> women in the refrigerator. Uh, <laughs> the the whole thing about you, you know, know that argument has always bugged the hell out of me because I always thought that she was an interesting character. And I'm going back to the original Kyle's girlfriend being put in the refrigerator. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought she was an interesting character. I thought she was, you know, reading all of those issues leading up, she actually was driving him. It wasn't I don't think she was just a throwaway thing. I mean, just yeah. to motivate him. Yeah, it was a vicious thing to happen, but 
But it's I, not the point. I mean, yeah. any character death is supposed to be. I mean, if a character just had a heart attack, it wouldn't be as interesting as you know to, to get revenge to truly affect a character, their their loved one or whatever has to die horribly. I mean, Martha Wayne got shot. Yep. You know, did, did anyone complain about that? Ron Mars gets a lot of unfair flack about you know about what happened there, and it really did add to the story. It was a good storyline, and it was not this egregious abuse that a lot of people you know think seem to think it was and it doesn't deserve to be to become the catchphrase that it has agreed you know and really let's be honest punching your pregnant wife into space (laughs) is a little harsher (laughs) than, than, than jamming someone who's already dead into a refrigerator um so, oh, so and I now that you've spoiled the ending, I have to say the most chilling line I think I have ever read in a comic book was right after that, where he had, you know, earlier in the book had been the big thing about he heard the second heartbeat for the first time. Right. And it was just all this touching moment and the closing lines of and then two heartbeats coming from one person stop beating. Yeah, that was yeah. a punch in the gut into space well, and that's not even the last page because something big happens to the entire city of metropolis right after it so i mean read the read the book it is shocking really i don't i don't see another whole i don't see a holy shit moment of this level happening this year it was awfully, really yeah it was the, awfully uh, damn good and i gotta say it, scene you guys had described really you guys definitely did that justice that was a jaw-dropping moment when i read it in there even knowing it was coming from you guys talking about it well it really does set the tone nobody's safe so uh aaron i have a question for you sir so i've got lois in my freezer Uh uh-huh and i want to know how long do i need to refrigerate lois to thaw her out well you know it's essentially an hour per pound Ooh, and, damn. Uh, you know, Lois was, was putting on some LBs there, so... Well, uh, she was pregnant, well, so... Right, but, you know, we, you know she, she was encroaching the belt. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but you know, I've got some, I've got some, uh, some uh, good recipes for the preparation of Lois. You know, uh, how to eat, man. Wow. So in case, in case you guys are wondering, that thing back behind you, about a mile back, that was the line. You're, you're way past it. So I mean, I, I think the next step is Superman colon cannibal. <laughs> cannibal Superman. Yeah, I, like I, I, I just this is just the perfect way to. I mean, you start the series with this, you know. I mean, you you pulled me in. I'm I'm on board. I want to see what happens next. You killed Jimmy. You killed Lois. I'm there. I'm That's in. Like, you I'm shot in. Jimmy in the face. You killed Lois, and then some. And then that big thing happens to Metropolis. I don't. Know, I keep not spoiling it, but it's pretty obvious. Um, yeah, I'm on board. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> maybe next maybe next week batman will slit alfred's neck or something who knows this, this is why we can't have nice things paul yes i know yeah so uh i can't figure out a way to transition us into it other than wow green lantern core annual number one <laughs> yeah so green lantern core annual number one is the conclusion of the rise of the third army um this is the storyline we, we we haven't talked about it very much uh it's run through Green Lantern, Red Lanterns, Green Lantern Corps, and Green Lantern New Guardians. And it's all led up to this conclusion um, where the Guardians have basically 
the third army. So the first army was the Manhunters, then there was the Green Lanterns, and now this is the third army. And the third army is basically these emotionless beings, and the Guardians have decided no emotion across the universe. These these white these white monsters, the third army, basically possess people's bodies. Uh, they have no ears, no mouth, and no emotion. Yeah, because they rip out your heart. Yeah, and then they and they rip out your heart. So, um, Wayne, as the conclusion of the storyline, you've been reading a lot more of these issues than I have. What did you think of this issue? You know, I kept wondering, how in the world are we getting to a conclusion already when there hasn't really been anything going on? The pacing has been horrible on this entire crossover. It's been a, a whole year to build up to this without... It seemed to come out of nowhere. Suddenly now here's the big final battle when there hasn't really been battles leading up to this right now. There's been a lot of movements. Uh, I do have to say this is the first time I've ever read and really enjoyed Guy Gardner. This hmm. this take on Guy Gardner, I don't know if this is what he's been like in the New 52 all along, but I really enjoyed the character in this book. Uh, I was hugely disappointed as a Green Lantern New Guardians fan to see Kyle show up and not really make much difference at all. So like, here's Kyle, and he's the White Lantern now. He has the he can harness the power of all of them. And they make comments that suddenly they're losing the fight just because he's there, but they don't show it on the page. He doesn't seem any more powerful than anyone else that he's fighting next to. Yeah, we were talking about pacing issues earlier, and I feel that the Rise of the Third Army suffered from some serious pacing issues because as a crossover, I feel unlike Blackest Night and um, some of the other uh, Rise of the Sinestro Corps and some of the other uh, Green Lantern crossovers. This one was done a little differently in that all of the stories were separate. There was a Green Lantern arc. There was a Red Lantern arc. There was a Green Lantern Corps arc and a New Guardians arc. And they didn't really cross over until this point where they all culminated into basically a big clusterfuck. (laughs) I mean, that's that's really all this is. Everyone gets together and starts fighting. Here's the other thing about it. When Blackest Night happened, you saw the Blackest Nights everywhere. Through every book, through you know, there were tie-ins with other non-Green Lantern books. There was no real tension with this third army. It's like, okay, they're out there and they're going to take over the entire universe in a matter of a couple months. But you don't really see them in the storyline at all, just a little bit here and there until this big final battle. Yeah, that's they the thing about it. I, I agree with you. They were treated as this menace this background menace so they showed up for a couple of pages in each book where they were shown taking over some people but they weren't like the main villain of the storyline all the books still continued their storylines and then this with this third army in the background and all of a sudden bam they're in the forefront it feels like we could have had six more issues where uh, it feels like they jammed six issues into this one issue yeah and it doesn't end there is no conclusion in the end of this book that is marked as the conclusion of the third army no you it have goes a, right into wrath of the first lantern yeah you have a new villain show up and every player that was in place is still in place <laughs> every battle that was going on is still going on nothing actually concluded whatsoever in this book yeah and you know here's the thing i've been enjoying green lantern the series um and the introduction of simon baz and his Green Lantern character. But the rise of the Third Army crossover itself, I feel it fails as a crossover. Uh, and, I, you know, I'm sorry to say that because I've loved Green Lantern crossovers in the past, but I'm hoping Wrath of the First Lantern goes at it a little differently. Now that all the characters are together, I'm hoping that it's a more cohesive crossover because yeah, I, this one just I didn't really work for me. 
I've enjoyed the individual books. Green Lantern has been wonderful in the New 52. Green Lantern, New Guardians, I've really enjoyed Kyle's journey that led up to him becoming the White Lantern. And this was just the anti-climax of everything I've been reading for the past, well, since the New 52 launched. Yeah, it's just, it, it, it was just poorly handled, you know. It, um, if you want to have a crossover, and it's a weird complaint to have, that I'm asking for a crossover that's going to force me to buy more books instead of just having one cohesive story and not having to buy the other books. But when they all culminate and it doesn't really work, you know, it's 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 an issue. So I think the problem is each book built it up like this was their crossover. So when you get to this finale, you expect you know, using New Guardians as an example, because that's been my favorite tie into it. You expected Kyle to show up, and this is all about him, because his book has led up to this. And then he shows up, and he's just one more player on the field. It's almost like that Flashpoint stuff, you know, with Aquaman and Wonder Woman. And it was building, 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 and then they show up in one panel in Flashpoint number five. You know, it's just the, the conclusion of these dis- different storylines wasn't cohesive. It wasn't interesting. It wasn't well done. And Again, it wasn't and what is the conclusion? Exactly. It wasn't even a conclusion. But, you know, I'll give Wrath of the First Lantern a try. Um, and one of the good things, the one of the, I guess, probably the best thing I can say about it is that I'm reading Green Lantern, and I feel like I can continue to read Green Lantern without messing up my reading experience, you know? Because it just doesn't, it's it's not crossing over like they normally would. Yeah, I agree. I can, uh, I can pick up New Guardians, I can avoid Green Lantern Corps without feeling like I missed anything. But, you know what but I do have to say, I may end up picking up Green Lantern Corps now because I did really enjoy this take on Guy Gardner. And well, if this is what he's like in the book... Did you notice Pete Tomasi was back on Green Lantern Corps? Uh, when did that start? I noticed it here on the in the annual, but I haven't been picking up the regular title, so yeah, I don't know if that's I haven't normal either, or not. Because he wrote it pre-New 52, and... Um, I don't think he was writing it when the book started in the New 52, and that's one of the reasons I dropped it. But now he is writing it again, and so I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm interested in seeing, you know, if he's going to continue to be the writer, or hmm, maybe he's always been the writer, and I just didn't like the first storyline. I don't know. So Wrath of the First Lanterns next. We'll see if that one sucks too. So Aaron, sir, Hawkeye number seven came out this week, <clears throat> the Hurricane Sandy relief effort issue. Um, so this book was done – there was something originally different planned for issue seven. And when Hurricane Sandy happened, uh, Matt Fraction, I believe a native New Yorker, uh, decided, you know, hey, let's do something for Hurricane Sandy. Let's do a story focused on the hurricane and, and the repercussions thereof. And since Hawkeye is kind of – the series has kind of taken a more grounded feel um, rather than a big super heroics feel, I, they, you know, they decided to do it in this book. So what do you think of Hawkeye number seven? Um, now, keep in mind that uh, we have spoken very highly of this Hawkeye series. Uh, you know, every we, for the first six issues, uh, we were saying that you know these books were just fantastic, off the charts, wonderful. Um, so it hurts me to say this, but I hated this book. Now, Steve, in all fairness, for balanced journalism, so we're not Fox News, Aaron. Uh-huh. It did receive worst series of the year as well. <laughs> I I I love this book, the title, not issue seven. But wow, I, I just I hated everything about this book. I did not care for the fill-in artists um, at all. Yeah, at all. And you know the 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 artists are Steve Lieber and Jesse Ham. Uh, 
who are really good at what they do, but not on this title. Um, you know, well, and too different to be in the same book, right? You know, Steve Lieber, you know, he's Eisner award-winning artist uh, for Whiteout, you know, the, the Greg Rucka book, and I really like Whiteout. You know, it's a black and white book, and it tells this you know really gritty story. Um, I, I forget what Jesse Ham's done, but uh, I, I just the artwork didn't work for me. In fact, there are some panels, some panels were illustrated very well, and then other panels, I mean, were were cartoonish to the point of looking like it would be more appropriate in Mad Magazine. You know, I mean, it was not it was not graphic novel appropriate for the kind of story we were telling. Um, some page like there's this one page where you know Hawkeye is rowboating you know folks through the flooding flooding waters of uh, New Jersey, and that's a really well done scene. And then there are other pages where it's like the, the guy can't draw Hawkeye. You know, there there are pages like where he he's and they're simple pages, so I don't understand why the illustration is so bad. But I mean, the illustration is terrible on some pages. It's it's it feels like the book tried to do too much, and I'm not yeah. disparaging Matt Fraction for doing this book for a good cause. It is a good cause, but I also feel when books are primarily done for a good cause, uh-huh. they should probably be separate books, not yeah. the issue. Because remember the Spider-Man Black issue for the World Trade Center, right? Again. Great cause. No yeah. complaints on the cause. Right. That being said, it was a terrible, terrible issue. Well, you know, there there is a scene, just to, to kind of emphasize how badly the art is, you know, Hawkeye is out laying down sandbags for his friend's house, and he sees the big wall of water coming, and his eyes bug out of his head like he's a, a, a Warner Brothers character, like, you know, he's Bugs Bunny. I mean, it is so poorly drawn. It's drawn like somebody who's you know 15 years old, yeah, and who's got no who's got no you know art school education. I mean, it's just awful. It's what happens when you know Matt Fraction brings. It's what happens when he's trying to do a good like a you know when he's trying to do like this support book, but bring his quirkiness to it. Yeah, like uh, typically Hawkeye goes full quirky. Right. You know, it's not trying to tell. You know, a, a cause. You know, trying trying to do a cause, and this is trying to do both, and it just doesn't really work. Well, um, it's the worst issue of the series thus far. And well, and out of an otherwise excellent series, those first mm-hmm. six issues are fantastic, and I will own them collected. But uh, this this issue is awful, and I'm like, great. You know, so if I pick up volume two of the collection, I'm going to get this <laughs> because it's pretty bad. Like, I would think that if you're going to have a character. Such as Hawkeye, you know Clint Barton and Hawkeye, Kate Bishop, um, who are both people without superpowers. They're just very well skilled and athletically trained humans. And you're going to put them in a situation like Hurricane Sandy. Why wouldn't you have them either doing one of two things? Either you know being able to use their their bows and arrows, or treat them more like a human being. And one of the things that just irritates the hell out of me about this is, you know, we see the big wall of water coming, right? And then Hawkeye walks outside, and he is chest deep in the water with all shit going around. And anybody else, you're a dead man. <laughs> you know, if you're out there while the, while the water is tossing the, the car around and whatnot, you're a dead man. And, you know, here's Hawkeye, who's a normal guy, and we all hear the, the warnings that, you know, eight inches of water will take you off your feet, Right. You know, that when, when, there, when there's flooding, you know, it takes very little water to, to float a car. It takes very little water to knock a man down. And here he is just out there in the front yard 
<laughs> chest deep in, in this, you know, turbulent water. But, you know, he's just okay. He's just like, ah, car. <laughs> uh, and I have to say, I feel that as superheroes, or regular heroes, whatever, both Hawkeyes wouldn't be doing this. You know, I don't. Right. I have a feeling that Hawkeye wouldn't be going with his buddy to get stuff from his dad's house. You know, from Queens, and I'm feeling the Kate Bishop Hawkeye wouldn't be going to a wedding. I have right. a feeling as heroes, they would be on alert, but much like a disaster recovery team is on alert to be out there helping all people. Well, and there, there is on one page, Kate Bishop is narrating, and she's saying, you know, ever notice in movies how people can just, like, dive underwater and see where they're going just fine? Drives me crazy. I open my eyes underwater, and all I see is blurry fog and everything stings. But yet, the panel is illustrated with crystal clear water. Yeah. Well, and she gets you know? her bow and arrow, and yeah. it's just fine. So, I mean, it's... Yeah, it, it is a, a poorly done issue, and I'm sorry to say that, because it is, again, for a good cause. That being said, I'm looking forward to getting back to Hawkeye proper with this Yeah, I, I just, I was very disappointed in this book. I was very mm. disappointed in this book. And, you know, I think it's a great cause. You know, I, I understand, you know, them wanting to do something like this, and I think it's great that they were able to turn the book around so quickly. That said, I think it's poorly written. I think it's poorly drawn. Agreed. So, so next week... A couple of uh, a couple of big books. Green Arrow seventeen comes out. The first issue of the Jeff Lemire uh, arc, uh, and I think the art is by Andrea Sorrentino, maybe. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely interested in uh, Jeff Lemire Green Arrow. Iron Man number six is the first issue of the second arc of Iron Man, featuring Iron Man in space, written by Kieran Gillen. New Avengers number three, Superior Spider Man number three. Um, all wow. Mm-hmm. All new X-Men number seven. Uh, DC is releasing a new 52 Valentine's Day special. (laughs) I actually plan on picking that up. Of course you do, Wayne. I read the description of it and the stories that they're telling in it actually might be interesting. Yeah, it's got an Andy Diggle story in it. It's got Kenneth Roquefort doing a Superman Wonder Woman story, drawing a Superman Wonder Woman story. So I might might actually be picking it up, too. Yeah, I always avoid these kind of things because they're always horrible, but... When I act, when I read the solicitation on it, it actually sounds like it might be interesting. And uh, from Boom Studios, Fairy Quest number one comes out. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with Fairy Quest, last year at Comic Con, well, actually 2011 Comic Con, I think, um, Paul Jenkins and Umberto Ramos self-published a Fairy Quest graphic novel. Yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. That yeah. uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, one of our listeners was kind enough to get signed for me and uh, send on to me. And but I, not the rest of us. Not the rest of you, no. What the hell? Well, because I was talking about how bad I wanted it. Uh-huh. Well, now Boom Studios is publishing it as uh, singular issues. So it's breaking up the graphic novel, I think, into two separate issues. And uh, issue one comes out next week. So if you're a fan, fan of Umberto Ramos or Paul Jenkins, it's a it's an all-ages story about um, all the, how all fairy tales exist in the same world. Um, and it, it, I, I've read the book. It's a lot of fun. It's beautiful art. So I know Wayne won't be picking it up. I was going to say, we found Wayne's birthday present. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, and that's next week from Boom Studio. So some interesting books. You know, luckily nothing as big as this week. This week was, I bought a lot of books. 
Are we going to be talking about Ravine? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Ravine... Well, when I say we, I mean you guys, but... Yeah. Well, it doesn't come out next week. I think Ravine comes out the 20th of February, um, but we'll, we'll have an advanced oh, wow. review next... Well, I think we're getting an advanced review copy to let people know to pick it up on the 20th when it comes out. So I'm sure we'll be talking about Ravine, which is Ron Mars and Stepan Sayich, um, their fantasy graphic novel coming out from Top Cow later this month. And if, you, if you've not seen the preview artwork, it is absolutely stunning. Oh, yeah. I, I would buy it for the art alone. Yeah. And I think the cover price is twelve ninety nine. So it's a pretty sweet book. Yeah. I, yeah. I, already I would buy it just for the art. So yeah. looking forward to that one. Yeah. Oh, excellent. All right, guys. All right, well, yeah, good hustle, everybody. Good hustle. Um, I want you to go out there and make it a great day. I'll do my best. Say your prayers. <laughs> you guys have a good one. Bye, everybody. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. likes what she sees.